some crazy passes, wild crashes, and everything you want in the first triple header weekend of the year. Welcome to the A-Racing Pod. My name is Adam. Alongside me is Mitch. How's it going? Hey, pretty good. Pretty good. What a weekend, man. That's nuts. Wow, what? Wow. So much excitement in F1, IndyCar, and the end of NASCAR. But we'll focus on that in a little bit. But yeah, man, it was so much. Like, I mean, there was... I, I, I'm at a loss for words. There was so much going on. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, just everything from... Again, obviously that Formula One race was crazy with the wet weather to the dries kind of throughout that. But also a crazy weekend in IndyCar. Like, first of all, I mean, seeing practice with Romain Grosjean doing so well was like, holy crap, is this the same guy? But (laughs) he is the same guy because he didn't win the race. But we'll get to that later. (laughs) Um, And then, I mean, was it kind of a letdown that NASCAR was a snooze fest? Um. Well, it got good at the end, I, I, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it was a little bit disappointing. But you know what? Like, if there's a weekend for it to kind of have a bit of a lull, this was the weekend for it to have a lull. Because you had other racing series to make oh it exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we should start off with F1 because that was crazy at the uh, wonderful track at Imola, the... Emilia Romagna Grand Prix. I'm not going to try to say that long one again because it's just such a long title. That's fine. It's known as the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix. We'll just call it that. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but yeah, so it was already kind of lining up to be pretty interesting following qualifying. I mean, you had Lewis Hamilton stole the pole. I mean, he, he even admitted that he was surprised that he got pole position. Then second place was Sergio Perez yeah. with Max Verstappen in third. First time Max Verstappen has been out-qualified, I think they said, since like 2018 in Malaysia or something like that? I think it was 17. 2017? Oh no, the the Malaysia one was the first time that Fernando Alonso was out-qualified. Right, 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 yeah. Yeah, I feel like Danny Ricardo has probably done it once or twice and it's probably in some Dry to Survive episode or something. Yeah. Of like the early fallout. Definitely, I know back in, if it was 2017, I think Monaco... Because that was the race that Daniel Ricciardo started from pole. Yeah, okay. Well, there you so go. I know at least that's where the buck stops. Could have been one between then and now, but we'll have to go back and look. Yeah, so there you go. Top three. You got Hamilton, uh, Perez, first ever front row start for him. Verstappen right behind Hamilton. And it was looking great because Perez had the softs. And Hamilton had the mediums, and we're like, here we go. This is exciting. Also, quick couple notes. One, you had Lando Norris almost started third. Yes. But got his time disqualified because he was just a little bit off. Wow. So the track. Well, we need to talk about track limits later, but continue. Yes, yes. Um, and then way back in eighth is Valtteri Bottas. Rough. And you're like, what qualified. happened? Oh. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't really know what happened to Valtteri. I mean, even you look at his race pace yesterday, I, you know, the incident, which we'll get to between Bottas and George Russell, happened. But yeah. the fact that a Williams was going to overtake a Mercedes, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that if that was Hamilton that would have happened. But no, because I mean, Valtteri, what does that, how does that play into that? You know? 
Yeah, and I mean, we saw what happened with Hamilton middle of the pack. Of course, we'll get to that as well. But I mean, yeah, he, he was struggling so much in uh, qualifying and then in the race as well. But um, I guess we'll start off with kind of the opening lap, which was a huge moment because Perez gets an okay start. And, and first of all, turn two is just like a puddle. Like, we had this weird rain where it, like, part of the track was bone dry and part of the track was flooded. And some drivers, a couple drivers lost it going into the uh, kind of warm-up lap to get to the grid. Like, sure, uh, Alonso damaged his wing. Um, and you're like, okay, what, this is going to be fun. Because it's like, what do I, what kind of tires do I put on? Do I put on intermediate tires? Do I put on full wets? A couple guys tried full wets, didn't work. But... Going into turn one and turn two, you're like, okay, this is going to be fun. Absolutely. Um, Especially when you see Max come up beside Lewis. And again, almost on the grass on that front that before turn one. But then when they're both side by side going into turn two, like my thought was, it's like, who's going to be ch- play chicken? Like, who's going to play chicken in this incident? Is somebody going to pass Is anyone going to play chicken? Are they just going to take each other out? <laughs> that would have been amazing, because then Checo would have been in first. But Yeah, but but anyways, um, yeah, so Max, I think he said that he went into second gear to start off the start, which was a great idea, because he got that extra traction. And he gets a great start, as you mentioned, side-by-side side with Hamilton into turn two. And I would say no one really played chicken and Hamilton just had to pull out because he kind of went a little off track on the inside and started bumping on like some really rough curbs kind of curbs. curbs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And picked up a little bit of damage and you're like, oh, this is Max saying like, I'm in this fight. Absolutely. Max saying I'm in this fight. And if you look at the race picture as a whole, and I thought about this just this morning, if anybody now after seeing that race says that it's the car and not lewis hamilton i don't know if you watched the race because again he had problems like sure the road was wet he slid off into the gravel but the car wouldn't just automatically put itself into reverse that took lewis hamilton's mindset to get it back on track and to finish the race let alone to pass everybody on a track to start to overtake and get to second place but that first corner yeah. definitely was key because to break the bottom part of your end plate of your front wing, like that's a significant piece that contributes to the overall downforce of the car. Yeah, exactly. It helps direct the air where it needs to go. And without it, I mean, you've got the left side of your car just has not got that air that helps plant it onto the ground. So um, that was a huge real f- or factor in the race. And um, I mean can't really spoil much with this but i mean verstappen pretty much took it and won held off everyone on the restart although he almost spun out on the uh safety car restart very scary a yes, scary moment for that was man i watched that and i'm like oh no he's just binned it getting ready to restart a race <laughs> you pulled the drawer and then oh, no. yeah and and then get on everyone else because they're like okay oh we have to stay behind him now as he spins out into the grass but interesting point on that note is he spun off onto the grass. Lando Norris, after the race, said if Charles Leclerc was of proper mind, he would have overtaken Max because he went off track. Because Ooh. 
look to Checo Perez. Sergio Perez spins, goes off track, gets overtaken by a McLaren and another car. They kind of slow down to let him back through, and he got a 10-second penalty for that, for illegal overtakes. Mm. So, in that scenario, and again, maybe it's a matter of, did Max, all four wheels of Max cars go off track? No. But when you're spinning and you're almost at a perpendicular angle to the track and you're able to save it from that, is that enough then that Charles Leclerc just missed an opportunity to take the lead of the race? Well, and here's the problem with Leclerc is that he um, his radio wasn't working in the second half of the race. After, like, right before the restart, and I think the team admitted that he could not hear the team. So... He was confused as to what kind of start he w- it was. He thought it might have been like a, a, you know, do a couple burnouts, get lined up on the grid and do a safety car, like a, a regular red flag, red flag restart. But they decided that they were going to do a rolling start. So I think that's what kind of caught him off guard. He saw him spin and it was like, oh, well, Max regains his spot because he's going back to the grid. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, Max is back. Oh, oh, we're going now. What? <laughs> just automatic. Like, it was just bang, bang, play, which, again, if he was of, of the right mind, and I, it's too hard to tell now. I mean, you could you can say yeah, all these oh, things. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But just to hear even Charles Leclerc at the end of the race, because, you know, the fortunate part about us recording this podcast after everything's done and after Sunday is that we get to hear all of these radios now of the post-race of everybody, uh, what they said as they crossed the line. And Charles Leclerc did mention on his radio you know it's hard to race without radio contact with you guys but considering i feel like we did a hell of a job just to come p4 but yeah max would end up holding off everybody in the end uh on the restart and he would pull away and take his uh take a win and really push the fight back to mercedes um which is exciting. We have a title fight. I mean, we're two races into a 23-race season, but we have a title fight. <laughs> but, yeah, we have a t- we can call it a title fight because of the fact that if you go to the past, well, let's face it, for the past seven years, it was like Lewis Hamilton getting f- winning both races and being way out in front in the points. Or like Bottas winning the first race, and you're like, okay, he's not really going to fight. Yeah, exactly. So th- like things like that, where then Max kind of just sits back. But this was big for me, because this is the first time that Max has won in Italy within the last several yeah. years. So First time he's done well in Italy. Because <laughs> they showed a graphic this morning on social media about all the times that he's spun out. Like the three Grand Prix last year, DNF, DNF, DNF. And then everybody yeah. in practice, when he had his drive shaft problem, was like, no, <laughs> we can't have this again. <laughs> the Max Verstappen can't be out of this race because this is, as you said, the title fight for the season. Yeah, I, I, it's so awesome to see just a fight. like it, And we're not like, oh, well, we can just mail it in because it's... I don't know, we're in the Middle East at the end of the season. It's good to see them uh, back in the uh, kind of battling... T- at the start, so um, one guy who didn't battle all the way to the end was Valtteri Bottas. Um, that was a wild one between uh, Bottas and and Russell. Yeah, very bizarre again to see a Williams and a Mercedes fighting with each other. Valtteri Bottas, George Russell, they're both pointing fingers at each other after that incident, but. As they talked about in the broadcast, it's so hard 
to do that because of the fact that, yes, while George makes a good point, you know, that the Verstappen move of years past, of that little twitch kind of in of his own when somebody's going to pass, is dangerous. There's a gentleman's agreement never to do that. But the track had that little kink in it because that's technically turn one going into turn two that it just leads you outwards. Yep. Ever so, sli- ever so slightly, just a little bit to the left. And, yeah, I-, I think you have to just call it a racing incident. I feel like Russell does get a little bit more of the blame just because he's the guy making the overtake. Mm-hmm. I-, I get the bot test, which was bad. He could have gone to the inside. I mean, it would probably have been for nothing. But um, I-, I just think when you're the person making the overtake, unless the guy does something egregious, like literally runs in front of you, yeah, it, it kind of falls on you, and <laughs> I I love I love George, but um, and I get obviously his emotions of the moment where he slaps Bottas in the in the head is uh, Bottas is in the year number one, <laughs> um, but I mean you know I I just I I'd say it's a racing incident which the stewards agreed, but if it's someone to blame I would say Russell. Yeah, and I. Like, everybody afterwards was like, it's 60-40. Like, either, I like the fact that in the broadcast afterwards, like, a lot of the drivers, like, they mentioned Carlos Sainz and Daniel Ricciardo, stopped by the video booth to see what Sky Sports had on the incident and just see what happened. And they gave so much input <laughs> saying, you know, it's like, it's so tough because it's a wet part of the track you're venturing out into. There really is only one dryer line around Imola at that stage. And on the slicks, like, again, George goes out, clips a piece of the grass crashes in but something that was interesting that i actually just read like just after lunch today that was so fascinating is that total wolf kind of <laughs> gave a tongue-in-cheek threat to george because again total wolf oh yes is the yep, yep. team boss of mercedes he also manages the career of george russell the plan is was originally or that they said in the article anyway is that George was on this three-year sort of loan period to get his feet in Formula One to Williams. But Toto, after this incident, said, you know, you drive well, you will be in a Mercedes. You don't drive well, well, you might be sent to the Renault-Clio Super Series. (laughs) Yeah, which is, like, obviously nothing compared to F1. So it's just like, would he do that to George after just one incident? But... Again, it's something that George was obviously just fuming in the moment because he's that close to moving up to ninth on the tr- on track to get his first points in F1. And this is another thing that I do want to say about Williams. Obviously, it's unfortunate Nicholas Latifi crashed out so early in the race and then mm-hmm. unfortunate that George crashed out. But the way that this team was looking after qualifying, qualifying 12th and 14th, I think is what they ended up. Yeah is that all I can wonder is if this was one of those six races that they said were going to give it all, and they got two DNFs. I wonder, yeah. Because they were so close and, and I on mean, pace that, yeah, you know, this could have been it, but they got two DNFs. Yeah, and, and I mean, Latifi's looked pretty bad. He spun out, come back, or came back on track, and then as he kind of pinched Nikita Mazepin, and, I mean, he kind of just got spun. Yeah, so. and they said it's like it's, it wasn't um, Nikita Mazepin's fault. It was just a matter of, you know, because Mazepin is entitled to his 
place on the track, especially with Latifi coming yeah. back on and then maybe not seeing him in his mirrors. Yeah, I mean, mirrors could have been soaked by the water as he spun out. <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised anybody but, could see um, anything in this Grand Prix at the yeah. start. But, um, yeah, but back to that Toto comment, I, I honestly think that he's just kind of giving uh, Russell a reminder, like, hey, listen, bud, you might think that you might be a little more entitled to that seat once Valtteri's gone, but let's remember, Valtteri is in that seat for a reason. Sure, everyone makes fun of him for being, you know, kind of a, a wingman, but no, he's, he gets the points. He gets them points. He's contributed to them winning a championship. I mean, if Ferrari or if... Red Bull had had two drivers who were solid enough to keep getting all the points that entire like throughout the season they would obviously be in a much better situation mm-hmm. but Mercedes has had it with with um Lewis and with Valtteri so I think it was more of just a reminder of hey listen bud I know you want to be in this spot but that doesn't mean you just get yeah. it you're not going to be handed the keys and also if you wreck my car and cost me tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars that does not help at no all. <laughs> the boys at the factory he could get that car back after that where they're gonna have a lot of work at least now they have like a two-week break but <laughs> yes exactly um but yeah we have to also talk a little bit about hamilton i mean he so he goes into the uh goes into the gravel trap then kind of inches too far or too quickly forward, destroys his wing, has to back out into the track, loses a lap, and then the whole crash happens, gets his lap back, so he's in ninth place, and roars his way up to second, which, one heck of a drive. I mean, uh, you know what? Like, I, I, I get that he's the fastest car, but still, like, there's only one real passing zone at that track, and he made... I mean, he took advantage he used of it. it. Lap after lap after lap, and to me, to get the fastest lap on mediums, which again, they, people mentioned about this weekend in Imola that there isn't much of a difference between mediums and softs. Obviously, softs when yep. they hit the cliff, like Lando had twenty-eight lap old softs when Lewis Hamilton passed them. So you're not going to hold Lewis yep. behind you on that old of a soft tire. But to get the fastest lap on the 60th lap of the Grand Prix on mediums and steal that away from Max, that's huge because that means now he's leading the championship by one point. And Max was so far ahead that he had a chance to like hold back and let him let his whole DRS or ERS system kind of charge and be ready for like an all-out last lap. But Hamilton just just roared in and. But with Max Verstappen, because uh, again, I thought about this to myself. I was like. Max could take that lap back if he wanted to. But with the choice of trying to just get across the line after all that happened in that race with everybody else in the field, you know, there yeah. was just no no way that Max was going to risk it all just to get one point in a fastest lap, right? The game's bigger than that. The season's bigger than that. But, I mean, I would have liked to see him. Mm-hmm. It would have been awesome to see him do a lot, like one last qualifying lap push as hard as you can around the court around the track and see what happens well then if he did he would have uh that would have been the first time in his career that he led the championship but uh but uh instead hamilton holds a one point lead on uh on verstappen which is quite interesting and uh yeah i mean close battle i love it me too um yeah and looking to third place (laughs) lando's 
was able to hold on to the podium. So it's hilarious because we mentioned that he was going to be third, but ended up starting seventh. So then he takes his seventh and turns it into a third. Yeah, which is phenomenal for him. Again, you just saw him in qualifying in that McLaren, which looks unbelievably fast this whole season so far. Two races, sure, small sample size. But for two consecutive races to have Lando finish fourth and then third, right at the front of the field, is phenomenal for that team. And you saw in qualifying, as I said, like Lando, after Lewis crossed the line with his last lap, went purple sectors in one and two and looked like he was going to get that third one. But turn nine killed a lot of people. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> this weekend. Even during the race, like Yuki Sonoda got a, a five-second time penalty for track limits. And where? Turn nine. Sergio and, Perez know, lost it and lost a couple spots and then got yeah. penalized for taking it back during a safety car. So, I mean... Absolutely. And you see, you see so much on social media... You know, and it's a matter of, I have, I did a bunch of searching for this just to try to find kind of a map of, track map of Imola to see how the track is laid out, the orientation, and potentially where the differences are in the runoff areas. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like the FIA will penalize people for going off track when the runoff area isn't, you know, either A, isn't really that big, yeah, or B... If the track is tight, even if a runoff area is huge, if the track is, or sorry, if the track is wide enough that you could stay on track and there's no reason you should go off track. Yeah. But with Imola being a tighter track, turn nine is where everybody had troubles in qualifying. And social media, as I was saying, is like, you see people post pictures of Lewis Hamilton going off, I think, at like the second last turn, like when you get through the last two corners. But There's I think everyone is kind of extending that as far as they could because you kind of need to use that curb to set up the final turn. Well, and they do, but the people, what people on social media don't understand, though, is that is to them, they see that white line, and everybody uses, again, goes beyond that white line to set up the final corner. Yeah. And then turn nine is the one that gets them, and everybody's going, you know, just slightly inside the white line or just outside, and that's what gets them. And I think that's where... You know, we talked about consistency, and I maybe don't want to get into a bunch of track limit stuff now, but you talk about the consistency of the FIA, Yeah. is it's like, so if you're going to enforce it at turn nine, but not going to enforce it through the last two corners, there's yeah. a lasting advantage, again, because you can take those two corners without going off track in the last, to before you enter the start-finish straight. You can take those last two corners without going off track, but... They allowed that slip, but didn't allow turn nine to go. See, I, I, the thing is though with the with track limits is that it's there to kind of enforce a, a an artificial limit when there isn't a natural limit. Like the last two turns at Imola, if you miss a turn, you're going into the gravel and probably into the wall, like Leclerc, Charles Leclerc did in uh, one of the practice sessions. But turn nine, if you go off track you're just going to keep going into runoff and you could probably gain some more time that way. So it's kind of like an artificial way to keep people on the track. And I think that's the intention that kind of was broken a bit in Bahrain. And I think this race was very much kind of the FIA saying like, okay guys, like I I get you guys were extending it and we kind of screwed up by not enforcing it. So this time 
we are going to enforce it like mad. And all the time, consistent, mm-hmm. all across the board. Everybody, I, I should go back and watch qualifying and see exactly how many laps times were deleted because of turn nine. Yeah, there were quite a few in uh, Q1. Q2, there was a few less. And I think there was only two in Q3 because it was Stroll. Uh, Stroll yep. had a time deleted. He never actually posted a time in qualifying. And then Lando. Three. And then Lando, obviously, with his third to seventh. But, um, yeah, no, uh, back to Lando. I mean, he had uh, a great performance throughout the race. Um, kind of got up to third and was or, and second and was staying there for the longest time. And he was doing a darn good job holding off Lewis for a few laps. Like, I was yeah. watching this with, like, five to go, and I'm like, he could hold on to this. He could, but then his tires hit the clip. Yeah, and then his tires went off, and it was like, nope. Oh, there's a straightaway. Yeah, this is over. Yeah, it was it was sad to see that happen, but at the same time, Lewis is is just that good, and with fresher tires and a different different compound, yeah. it was just good to see that fight between yeah. McLaren and Mercedes. Because again, you 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 don't see that anymore. Yeah. You don't really ever see that because McLaren hasn't been close to the front of the field like this. Since Lewis was in them. <laughs> Consistently since Lewis was in them. Um, so to see them, Lando finish third, and you know what, this is the first race in a long time. I think they said the last pairing was Jensen Button and Lewis Hamilton, the two Brits to finish on the podium at the same time. Uh, Lando and Lewis gets there. Uh, if you're a fan of Lando and you follow him on Twitter, you saw what was seen yesterday that Lewis, like Lando on Saturday expressed his sorrow and kind of like his he was pretty bummed out feelings his feelings about like oh i messed up for the team like you know could have been in p3 if i would have and then lewis messaged him and said you know listen just put your head down go race tomorrow (laughs) and sure enough to see them both in the paddock at the end of the race drinking champagne drinking champagne together good finish oh yeah and and, uh one last note about lando um post race he was kind of asked about the whole start of the race and I, I I love him talking about because um he had a good start but apparently when he got to about third gear he started aquaplaning on the rear of his tires and so he almost slammed into Ricardo in front of him and apparently he was thinking in his hot med or in his head like oh no I hope like Andreas Seidel team manager is going to be so ang- going to be so angry with this and yeah. he's, and I think he said he quote pooed his pants <laughs> um, going into turn one with all the all the uh, mist coming up for the cars in front, and it's like, yeah. okay, yeah, no, I would be like that too. I was watching, <laughs> I was watching Ocon's camera because he was started about ninth, and I'm like, okay, this should be fun on the start, and I was like, how do they drive? You can't see anything. Yeah, all you can see is flashing lights of cars in front, and that's it. And, and um, Lando was saying like yeah. his contact with Stroll, he was like, as soon as I was side by side, I couldn't see him. Because of the spray. Yeah. It's just nuts. But to your point about Lando almost crashing out Danny Rick, if you watch the onboard of Lando, you can see it where he goes and they're just starting to enter turn one, kind of that left kink in the road, and he gets a wicked snap, like tank slapper, catches it, and oh, I mean, I would have been really sad to see both McLarens go out literally on the, right after the five red lights. (laughs) Go, and they're gone. (laughs) <laughs> but then you know you think you they were able to both have a pretty good race. Again, Daniel's still trying to wrangle this car yep. and get a handle on it. 
and this was good for him because now he gets kind of a feel of all kinds of conditions, which you heard from like Carlos Sainz saying he needs. It was good because yeah, now Alonso he gets to know as how well. Ferrari responds to wet weather and everything like that. But we saw our, one of our first cases of team orders this year. Yeah, oh, and with th- McLaren, that was probably the best call of the race in terms of like an uh, a team call to a driver, like. If they left Ricardo in front of Lando and they battled, I mean, who would have known what would have happened there? And it would have probably taken a lot of out of Lando's tires. Instead of instead, they let him go and Lando just shot ahead. And well, and one yeah. thing that makes me happy about this scenario of them telling Ricardo to let Lando pass is Ricardo's response to it after the race, and how it wasn't something that it's like he was upset about it. He was mad. He was angry. It was like, no, like I was slow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, w- I needed to let him pass for us to get the result we did today as yeah. a team, and just that cooperation in that team is what they need. Because again, you know, it's not like, I mean, Netflix plays it up, however. But if you want to go back and listen to our Drive to Survive episode and how they tried to pit Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris against each other from the 2020 season, yeah, it's like. Netflix painted it as if there was some animosity whenever Lando would get ahead of Carlos or Carlos would get ahead of Lando. But in reality, again, it's like these guys are teammates. Sure, they want to beat each other, but to have Daniel say, you know, I was slow and I have to let him pass in order for us to have a good result, that was just great to hear. And it's also a little bit of Ricardo going, okay, Lando, if I'm I'm fast and you're slow, just remember that I let you buy Nimala. Which I think Lando would. Yeah. I think I, I don't think Lando would have a major problem with it. Like, we're not going to see, like, the Lewis Rosberg uh, fight back in Mercedes where it's like, no, if he wants to pass me, he can pass me type of a deal. Yeah. So now, um, so now if, like, Drive to Survive Season 4, they play the shot of, like, Ricardo letting Lando go and they play, like, a clip from, like, five races later where, like, Ricardo's like, what the F is he doing? Then we'll know uh, <laughs> not quite true. Yeah, exactly. We'll know it's not quite true. But even to that point, um, just kind of a little sidebar with Drive to Survive is people are already thinking of Drive to Survive Season 4. Yeah. Because when in the post-race interviews, they interviewed Max, and then they brought in Lewis to interview, and Lewis and Max kind of bumped elbows, and Lewis said sorry. Lewis said sorry, came, did his interview. But they're saying now Netflix is going to spin it like, and they show they show the video again, and the elbows, like they bump elbows, yep. and then it fades to black, and they're like, "Oh, they touched!" And it's just like, and then they cut to Christian Horner. It's just like I don't know if he was walking away from a fight, but that's what it seemed like. And it's like just a clip from like a past. And they'd be like, "FIA will have someone talking like I don't know. He might have broken COVID violations. I can't believe that." <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just hilarious. But anyway, back to the race. Yeah, we now come to the team that was sandwiched between. McLaren, yeah, in Ferrari, yeah, awesome to see them fourth and fifth. Um, considering the last couple times they've been in Italy, it's been pretty painful. Um, <laughs> yes, like double DNF, painful. But now, yeah, fourth and fifth. Um, Leclerc looked really strong at times, as we were mentioning earlier. He could have even taken the lead if he decided to go ahead of Verstappen, and extremely impressive to finish fourth while not having any communication with your team in the second half of the race. Yeah, um, absolutely. And then signs, yeah, a great fight back to finish fifth after 
it was kind of an up and down race for him. He had a lot of kind of small issues, but kind of held it together and took a double top five. Which is awesome for them. Like again, to see to look at the constructor standings and we'll get to we'll lay those out for you right away. But to see them in that top four and kind of just to see the, even the gap between those teams who have points from the four to five spot, yeah, is crazy. Yeah, it, it's it's tight and I love it. Um, and once we get to fifth in the constructors and down, it starts to get a little bit lengthier. But you know what? Like it's it's good to see four teams kind of in that battle, even though we know two of them are really in the fight for the constructors. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, it, it's good to see some. A little more parity um, between teams with lots of different drivers finishing in the points, and of course this weekend too, a lot. Fernando Alonso saw his first point in Formula One after Kimi got bumped from the top ten. Actually, I don't think he did. Um, Alcon hey, got well, the point. What's that? I think it was actually Alcon who got the point. Well, Fernando Fernando finished in tenth. Oh, did he finish so, 10th? I look, I watched a video yesterday on, on YouTube of all the team radios as they crossed the line. And they got to 10th. And all of a sudden I noticed it said, Fernando Alonso finished the race 10th. And I was like, why is this here? Like, Kimi Raikkonen finished oh, yeah. up there. But Kimi uh, had some sort of incident. I can't remember exactly what they said it was. Um, but they penalized him for it, and he lost a few places and ended up finishing 13th. Oh, okay. So he got a five-place kind of grid penalty for that, dropped him out of the points, and allowed Alonso now to get his first point since returning. I kind stand corrected. Cheap, I stand cheap corrected. Way, cheap way to get a, your first point. But yeah, here we go. Okay, what was, the, what was the infringement here? Okay, I'm just pulling it up right now. Um, he got a 30-second time penalty. Oh, yes, okay, so... Um, he got penalized for a technicality, uh, failing to satisfy technicality in the restart position. Um, so he unlapped himself because you're allowed to after a red flag. Um, so he was, uh, entitled to recover his position because he spun his car on kind of the, um, when everybody kind of returned. So he was, it was kind of like, um... He was ahead of Hamilton and Yuki Tsunoda, then kind of spun it. Then it appears that he... uh, Something involving him, kind of how he rejoined the track, and it just... Yeah, Mm -hmm. apparently he got a 30-second penalty at the end of the race for it. Because that's what confused me, is it's like, again, I heard during the race they said Kimi Räikkönen's under investigation for whatever, whatever, this incident. But then... Again, the race finishes, they bring up their leaderboards, Kimi's sitting there in 8th. I'm like, okay, good points. Good points for Alpha, you know? And then I go back later and look at the standings, and then I realize, well, Kimi was in the top 10. Right. Now Fernando's in, like, 10th. And Checo's in 11th. And I'm like, what? how did this happen? Sure enough, dropped him out of the top 10. Oh, well, there you go. Never mind. I was going to mention that there was eight teams uh, that got points in the uh, championship, but I guess it's seven now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just seven. But Hey, that's I mean, pretty good still. Seven teams with uh, points in a uh, in a race, and that doesn't include Red Bull or Mercedes. I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, somebody that I, I was, again, happy. I'm happy that he's getting consistent points. Yeah. 
but as a team, they need to figure it out. Yeah, they've not been very strong this year. And Lance Stroll. Lance Stroll's been driving, I think, as good as he can. Yep. I mean, his Um, brakes were literally on fire. (laughs) Yes, they were. Um, But that team is just struggling so much this year. Um, And to take P8, you know, Mm -hmm. just leaves you wanting more for a team that last year was at the front of the grid. Yeah. And started from pole in Turkey. And won a race. Yeah. (laughs) Won a race. (laughs) Now, Stroll is good at... uh, He's known as a bit of a rain racer. Must be all the snow that we get in Canada. I don't know. Probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but um, but yeah, to be able to pull that car up to eighth um, after seeing kind of Vettel. I know Vettel's had a rough couple of years, but I mean, Vettel was nowhere to be found and retired his car at the kind of second last lap. So, mm. um, He's yeah. still got a lot of work to do to figure it out. And I mean, sure, you know, there's the changing car, but now, now you think about it. And, I mean, everybody before the season was very hopeful. I'm sure we're only two races in, but they were very hopeful that the Vettel of old and his form would return to what it was in early days at Ferrari and even before Ferrari. But maybe, and we'll have to see again as race three and four comes through, maybe this is just Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, it, this and might not be... to say that Aston Martin would be this ruthless to somebody who's as high profile in Formula One as Sebastian Vettel, but I did see a post of somebody saying, as a joke, Sebastian Vettel gone from Aston Martin midway through the year. <laughs> Nico Hulkenberg gets a seat. And it's like... Yeah? <laughs> is it worth them looking at Nico for a race if all of a sudden by race five, Sebastian hasn't finished higher than 13th? I mean, it might not be a terrible idea. I mean, Vettel's looked pretty bad. He's sure he's got the expertise idea, but... If Aston Martin falls down to like sixth or seventh in the driver's standings, like Lawrence Stroll is going to be very upset. Very, very upset. Yeah. He doesn't lose at anything, right? So, I mean, finishing sixth, like this, the back half of the field would be a huge mm-hmm. embarrassment. And yeah. and and I love Vettel. I, I he's a four time champ, but he's got to do something. Like I get, he's just getting used to this new car. Um, yeah. Mercedes powered car, probably different setup than what he's been used to, but he's got to get like, if he's still doing this halfway through the year, there might be an, like some consideration for finding someone else. And do they even wait for 11, 12 races of the year before that happens? Or does it happen at race eight, race six, like Race three. No, 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 six. Well, probably probably no, at least three. they'll give him five races, I think. Mm-hmm. So. But, yeah, that kind of just leaves us, I guess, with our driver standings from this after this race. Yeah, I'll do a quick mention for the Canadians. So, as you mentioned with Stroll, he did kind of how he did. Latifi did have a great qualifying. He finished four, or qualified 14th and then kind of binned it twice on the opening lap. But it was still nice to see him make Q2. But, um both Williams make Q2. Yeah, both Q, both Williams. Like, it's like, there you go. And then they both crashed. Hey. <laughs> and see, that's another reason. The fact they both made it through to Q2, that kind of reinforced for me that this might have been one of those six races that Williams was putting all their marbles in. And it's just so sad that it's a double DNF. Yeah, it is. 
Some of it but, you might debate is under their own doing, but at the same time, you know, like, oh, this could have been. Well, and even just, you think about, again, George, this is his third year in Williams. Yep. That with experience, so let's put, say, Lewis Hamilton in that car behind Valtteri Bottas. Hmm. Lewis may have gone for the move, but also in that scenario, why not, knowing the fact that, that you're, you know, you're close enough to probably make the move, but there's, it's dangerous because of the water on the track. Why not wait one more lap? Because Try to get be one, like, a tenth closer, at least a little closer, so you can make the pass earlier, maybe even before that kink. I think, you know what, he just saw it and he was like, knowing I'm up against a Mercedes, this is my chance. Like, I True. gotta go for it. Because what if next lap, I don't know, let's say that, what if Russell kind of setting up the next lap clips some of the wet track and loses a few tenths and then loses DRS. True. Or what if Valtteri catches back up with the next guy in front and gets DRS? Like I, I feel like it was right to make the move, but how he made the move maybe <laughs> wasn't the greatest. Can you imagine how nuts the internet would have gone if George Russell passed Valtteri Bottas in a Williams versus a Mercedes? Oh boy! Like they already went nuts last year when they were both in the same car. Yeah. Oh and my George gosh! George overtook Valtteri. The the memes and the gifts and it would just go. I mean, I, I think Twitter would shut down <laughs> just for an hour. Yeah. For, yeah. Forty thirty <laughs> minutes. Let's thirty minutes. Now, if he passes sure. Hamilton, okay, then it's shutting down all day. <laughs> Um, but yes, so let's head over to the driver's standings. Hamilton leads with 44 points. Verstappen just one point behind at 43. Lando in third with 27 points. Charles Leclerc with 20. Then there's Valtteri Bottas with 16 points. Um, Carlos Sainz, 14. Danny Ricardo 14 points as well. So that is a tie for sixth. Uh, Sergio Perez is 10 points. Pierre Gasly has six. Lance Stroll with five. Yuki Tsunoda and uh, Esteban Ocon have two. And Fernando Alonso has one. Everybody else is with the big goose egg. Constructor standings. Mercedes, 60 points. They have the lead. Red Bull, uh, seven back at 53. McLaren is at 41. It's only 19 points behind Mercedes. Um, Ferrari at 34 points. Alpha Tauri at eight. Aston Martin at five. And Alpine with three that drop again i still can't get over that from ferrari at 34 to alfatari at eight yeah it just <laughs> like, just a bit of a it is a four-team season so far in formula one <laughs> yeah Mercedes, I, red bull mclaren and ferrari yeah i guess so yeah um yeah it's quite interesting to see how it all it'll all play out um mm -hmm. But yeah, there was also some interesting off-track news um, that was actually announced on Race Morning. F1's going to be in Miami next year. That's phenomenal. I love that. I think we might have to do a mobile podcast. <laughs> yeah, mobile. Let's uh, fly down to Miami when everything opens up in 2022, and uh, let's go watch this thing. Absolutely. So, um, some details of the track. Um it's first of all, it will be the second race in the U.S. They're going to position it on the calendar, kind of away from from Coda, so they're not taking away from each other. Um, it's a 5.4 kilometer track, 19 turns, 
Um, it curves around Hard Rock Stadium, which is the home of the Miami Dolphins. Um, cars will be going, they're estimating up to 320K an hour um, through the streets of Miami. Um, three planned DRS zones, hopefully. Um, and yeah, it, it sounds like an interesting uh, setup. And I mean, it just shows like, you know, they are interested in trying to expand to North America a little more, uh, especially in the States. Vice City. I love it. I love how to on all of their socials and their graphics, as soon as they announced Miami, it was all that kind of pink, light pink, light blue and black. Yeah. And they had a lot of like logo G- and they had a lot of like GTA five kind of Vice City yeah. kind of look at it. It was very, very, very cool. I'm excited by the prospect of three DRS zones. To me, that just says if they do actually implement those, that Miami wants to be a track that's super exciting, lots of overtaking, and high speed. The one thing that's interesting about this choice for me is that tire temperatures are going to be such a difficult thing (laughs) in Miami to control because it's hot. A lot. Hot and humid and... (laughs) Oh, it like it's going to be a brutal race for the drivers too. Like they're going to be so exhausted by the end of it. Like I, maybe not quite like Singapore levels because Singapore they are like needing like they are in absolute need of water after they get out of the car. Um, I think it will be close, but not quite that far. But I, like this could be one of the more grueling races they go through, especially because it's also a street course. Actually, on that note, maybe overtaking won't be very possible. <laughs> yeah, maybe, and I think they actually know. have like one of the one of the turns involves an exit ramp, which that'd be cool. <laughs> cool, but it could be disastrous if you miss a corner. <laughs> Just off, off like a cliff. Yeah, that, that one would car be... flying through the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be quite terrible. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it, honestly, it's just great to have it because I know they've been discussing this for years. Um, and it seemed like it, at a time it wasn't going to happen. But now, yeah, they're in Miami. And I love it. Second race in Canada? Sask- Saskatoon? Well, see, that's... <laughs> yeah, okay, well, for if they if they do a street course here, the cars won't make it past lap one. <laughs> race circle drive. That's, the, that's our course. <laughs> Sorry, everybody in Saskatoon. You can't get anywhere. <laughs> circle Just, drive is closed and, for four uh, days. <laughs> I hope they've hit another red light on the north end of Circle. <laughs> and uh oh here's it so is this another uh standing start again yeah it's lap two <laughs> <laughs> um but actually that kind of ties into this now because where they're positioning it in the uh calendar that kind of is in the same spot as canada and they're still saying like they're saying they're still planning on a 23 race season next year which is really concerning because i i'm worried that this could bump out canada as a whole yeah um because obviously they're have mm. they're not going to be racing here again this year I, they haven't announced it but realistically being canadians and knowing the situation our country's in they're not racing here in june and yeah i mean that's two years of financial loss that would be that would be so sad i know um i mean it's it's two years of financial loss for us but for those maybe who aren't as familiar, Canada does have to pay Formula One for them to race in Canada. So 
like the F1, I can't remember the exact details of it. We'll have to get back to you on that, I think, in another episode. But they, Canada was requesting, or F1 was requesting for the Canadian government to give them like a five, another $5 million stipend or something like that. Yeah. In COVID, while we're still trying to recover from it all. Um, and in the midst of our restrictions, because of course here in Canada, um, you come to the country, you have to quarantine for 14 days. So they're asking for an exemption. Meantime, they've got their own like people that are, you know, obviously driving the cars and uh, coordinating everything, putting up cameras, try then intermingling with staff and volunteers at Cirque Gilles Villeneuve. Like it's just, it's just not possible. And yeah, I it would be a real tragedy to see that track not back. Like I I would I'd probably have like a a, a day of mourning. <laughs> a day of silence. Yeah. Or a day of uh Formula 1 video gaming where all you race is Canada. Yeah. <laughs> a 22 race season and all 22 races are in Canada. Hey, there's an idea. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll start an F1 mini series in Canada. F2 F2 will just run their whole season in Canada. Well, you know, the new F1 video game involves uh, two-player uh, career mode. Hey, well, that'll be us. Oh, yes, <laughs> exactly. All year. But now we move on to the other open-wheel racing of the weekend, which this is the other exciting piece of the weekend. It was a great race. Yeah, um, as I kind of teed up uh, in our previous episode in our season preview for IndyCar, I've been waiting for this for a while because... There's, it's such a close field, and they started with chaos, and I love chaos. Um, kind of into the first full straight, of, uh, they, were, they were Barber Motorsports Park for the Grand Prix of Alabama. Um, Joseph Newgarden, uh, defending, well, not defending champ, but he won the championship two years ago. Um, he's in eighth place, kind of loses it a little bit, coming on to the first full straight, then clips the grass and just spins in front of the rest of the field. Ryan Hunter Ray slams right into him, and the cars are flying off into the into the grass. One car kind of went up on its side. Um, actually, today uh, Monday, they uh, Hunter Ray posted a picture. Um, it was a scary one about like when he hit um, New Garden's car. He hit kind of his wheel, and New Garden's wheel hit his arrow screen, which was protecting, obviously that was the only thing between Hunter Ray's head and that wheel. So, and the halo. Well, and the halo as well, yeah. So, I mean, they kind of played a dual role to protect his head. Um, it was a lot worse of a crash than I think we all even thought it was. Um, it was a puff of smoke, so it was also sort of hard to see exactly what happened. Yeah, it was a kind. Of, yeah, and being at the top of a hill with the camera angle, um, it, it was kind of tough to figure it out. Yeah, but um, a, a massive crash, six cars involved. But um, yeah, it was just like, okay, wow, <laughs> welcome <laughs> to IndyCar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think if, for Formula One fans, we were just happy not to see Roman Grosjean in it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he had a great race, ended up finishing 10th in his debut, which is pretty darn impressive for a rookie. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love how much we just put asterisk beside the word rookie this year. <laughs> yeah, R- rookies across the board. Yeah, I mean... Well, and didn't Jimmy Johnson just barely 
miss that accident? Yeah, so he was kind of at the... Because he qualified second last. Um, he kind of was coming up to it. And I think knowing in NASCAR kind of how to get through a crash, he kind of slowed down, backed off, and just kind of weaved his way through. Um, he, he's probably like, oh, great, not this... Like I got, I got out of NASCAR to avoid this. Come on, um, he didn't have a great race, but he did finish off. Kind of, he was able to get to the end. He was three laps down. He spun out, I think, lap ten or so, um, and brought up a caution. But you know what? He got his laps in, what he was looking for. But yeah, and then uh, the other rookie to mention, um, Scott McLaughlin, three car, three times Supercars champ in Australia. He ended up finishing fourteenth. Not too bad as well. So pretty decent showing for the uh, rookies. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now, kind of after this big kind of melee at the start, it, it transitioned to what IndyCar I find is a lot, a bit of a strategy race where it comes down to how many pit stops you're going to make. Because uh, like when you think of F1, you usually think of like what kind of tires you're going to switch on to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not as much about a one-stop or two-stop as it is about kind of tire selection and stuff. Obviously, there are two stops and one stop in Formula 1. But um, IndyCar, it's a lot more about... Because you also have to refuel your car in um, in IndyCar. So either you go for a three-stop and be aggressive, burn your fuel, and just change your tires and try to make time on the track. Or save your tires, save your fuel... And make one less pit stop, so which it ended up paying off for our race winner. Yeah, and, and a bit of a surprise for the uh, race winner, Alex Palou. First race for Ganassi, like he was okay last year. He had some good results, but um, didn't really have any. Like he was nowhere near the podium. So to be, yeah, to suddenly win your first race for Ganassi and to beat um, Scott Dixon, who of course is a six-time champion of IndyCar, to win your first race not too bad and the season opener um and actually it was one heck of a finish because you had will power and scott dixon power finished second and Dixon in third but they you know their experience they know kind of how to maintain their tires and their fuel and so as the flaps kind of wound down they started to close the lead close it more close it more close it more uh power had like another like 100 seconds more of push to pass which is like an extra boost to your car than polo so it was so it was like okay, we could have a battle for the win here. But Polo just masterful last couple laps of driving. And then Padua Ward, who was the, made a three-stop strategy, was roaring up to this field. They were da- He was down 10 seconds. Suddenly he's back on, uh, behind, um, behind uh, Dixon and just could not make any passes. But um, yeah, all, like I think the top four cars were separated by just over four seconds, which is exactly what you want mm-hmm. when it comes to a season opener. Which I think if there was a few more laps, Pato Award maybe would have took it on a three stop. By the time he took he went for his third stop, he wasn't very, very far ahead of Polo. Yeah. I think that burned him. If he could have stretched that into just a two stop. Yeah. That stint, that third stint of his, but I don't think it would have been possible. Well his his problem was getting his tires warm. It took him about a three I think he was saying about three or four laps to get his tires kind of hot enough after he came out of the pits. Um, cause they don't have like, I, I'm 
pretty sure they don't have the tire warmers like they do in Formula One, where they're just like the perfect temperatures. So you have to warm them up yourself. And he was kind of complaining that like, you know, it's taking me a while to get the tires up to temperature, air pressures where they need to be. I think if he was able to do that, he would have probably gotten top three. And who knows where else it could have gone from there. Yeah, exactly. But we also, our Canadian brethren, yeah, kind of had a <laughs> yeah a dismal race for this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, James Hinchcliffe, of course, Hinchtown back in for uh, full time for the first time in a couple of years. He finished uh, well back in seventeenth, and uh, just behind him was the other Canadian, Dalton Kellett. So uh, not too great. Should we take it to some NASCAR? Yeah, the slumber party of the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed. I was until the end. <laughs> I was pumped for this one because I love Richmond, but the, I, I forgot that last couple of years um, they mentioned in the broadcast all of last season the only cautions that came out were for stage breaks, which sucks for a short track. And it was kind of like that for this race too. I mean, I'd say the first <laughs> you don't just go three hundred and eighty laps with like yeah <laughs> nothing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was like, and it looked like Denny Hamlin or Joey Logano were going to take it. Martin Truex Jr. had an issue on a pit stop and had to pit again, so he was at the back of the field. And you're like, okay, yeah, Denny, Joey, Denny's going to win this race probably. And then all of a sudden, 20 laps to go. Kevin Harvick happened. Yeah, and then <laughs> Kevin Harvick just like, his tire goes, crashes into the wall, caution comes out, and you're like, oh, oh, this could be well, a race. This is interesting. Oh, so yeah, I, I mean, like there's like nine cars in the lead lap at this point because it's a short track. But it was interesting because Alex Bowman, so on the restart, he's in third place. He had some good pace in the second half of the race. He shoots up the field, takes the lead, and just pulls away and wins. <laughs> and it was like... But after that, after that incident, you know, like again, be, sitting in third, you believe you have maybe a little bit of a chance. But with the way the race had gone, if I'm Alex Bowman, it's like, I'm kind of stuck in third. Yeah. <laughs> well... Like, I'm stuck. But then as soon as Harvick spins, yeah, it's like... This is within reach now. Yeah, I got a chance. Yeah. It, it, quite an emotional win for him, too. Um, right after he got out of his car, they asked him about the win, and he talked about um, one of his pit crew members actually died in a car crash um, during the offseason. And this being his first win of the season, dedicated it to him, and you could see his lip quivering, and you're about to cry, and you're like, oh, God. Oh, man. After, after this whole race, how am I crying about, oh, gosh. I, I was sleeping for 380 laps and then I cried. <laughs> what were you watching? NASCAR race. What? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so he's the eighth different guy to win in nine races. For those who don't know, if you win a race um, during the regular season, you're into the playoffs. And there are 16 spots. And they've never had a situation where they've got any, like, close at all to 16 uh, winners. They filled half the yeah, they filled half and, the and there's some big already. names that haven't had a win. Hamlin hasn't had a win. I don't think Keselowski's won a race yet. Well, Hamlin's been close, but yeah, I think he has like he's. I think he's tied for the record for uh, like most consecutive top fives without a win, um, or or something like that. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, that's painful. He's like the um, always a bridesmaid kind of thing. <laughs> Never the bride. But yeah, and then. Yeah, Kyle Busch hasn't had a win yet. Uh, he hasn't had a great couple of years, but um, like he's a guy you'd expect to have at least one win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's probably about four or five other guys that need to get a win pretty soon, or they're not going to be in the playoffs. It's quite interesting, and uh, we got a bit of a wild card race coming up next week, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Now we're going to take it to a little bit of CanCon. Back to our friends in Canada. 
Yes, so look at some Canadian content. Um, not too much to mention. Uh, Road to Indy was kind of the big thing, obviously, for the uh, feeder series into um, IndyCar. Uh, it was a huge win for exclusive, or a big weekend for exclusive autosports. So they're a team that, get this, so their cars are based in Quebec, but they're actually based in Saskatoon. Oh, baby. Which, Hometown heroes. Yeah, it's like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, if you think of Canadian racing, you probably think of like Ontario, Quebec, maybe Vancouver, but you never think of like prairies where it snows for eight months of the year. But <laughs> Ice racing, the new thing in IndyCar next year. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see them race in the snow or something. That'd that would be, be crazy. Pretty sure the team owners wouldn't want to see that. But what a weekend for Braden Eves. Yeah, so such a cool story. So for the Indy, uh, for the uh, Indy Pro 2000 series, this is kind of about two steps below IndyCar. So like kind of the equivalent of F3. Eves is last year at the Indianapolis Road Course. He he had a terrifying crash, uh, landed on his kind of on the roof of his car, ended up damaging some vertebrae in his neck, and he ended up missing the rest of the season. Obviously, healed up. And he wins in his return in a 1-2 for exclusive autosport uh, in the first race of the season. What a bounce back. I mean, you don't get much better than that for a guy being essentially on the brink of never driving again. Yeah. To getting back in a car now, and then you get a 1-2 and win the race. Yeah, it was, uh, a, I, I can imagine it was a pretty emotional win. Probably a lot of stuff running through his mind. And I don't know if there was any point where, like the doctors told him anything about like you know maybe you should consider not driving but i mean one heck of a drive for him and uh and i think he's uh leading the points after the first two races and uh to give you an idea of how it works in this series you win and you pretty much move up to the next series because it's all about scholarships so mm. especially with like indie lights which we'll get to right now that's kind of like the f2 of indycar and you win that series you get 1.3 million dollars towards like a scholarship towards another team. So basically it's like a $1 million incentive for a team to buy or to hire you into F or into uh, IndyCar. Next level, yeah. Which Toronto's Devlin DeFrancesco yep. is like on the verge, man. Yeah, he had a great uh, couple of races, two podium finishes, and finish, he's in uh, second in the standings right now. Awesome to see that. And then we'll jump back to NASCAR. Uh, just want to mention the trucks race over Richmond. Uh, update with uh, Rafael Lassard. Rough week for the Canadian to finish 23rd. Uh, as we mentioned last time we mentioned him, he's pretty far back in the standings. So he'll probably need a win and you get in to make the playoffs. Canadians had a rough race in all three series this weekend. Yeah, I mean, other than Lance Stroll, I would... Uh, yeah. um, and, and maybe DeFrancesco. That's kind of the highlight performances for the canadians that's true if you're counting drivers so quick mention i guess do we want to look ahead now or yeah yeah we'll look ahead we got exciting weekends coming up and kind of all three but for yeah. one we have to wait again yeah I, scheduling man so f1 we got one more week off and then we're back again for uh portugal the portuguese grand prix at portimao and but it will be a double header because then the week after they head to spain so we're, we're getting our fix again, which, yes. thank goodness. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just need to make it one more week, people. Mm -hmm. But we can watch NASCAR and IndyCar in the meantime. So 
Oh, yes. So NASCAR, I'm looking forward to this one because this is the race to Talladega. This one is the wild card race because, like, all you need is a big one and then you could have a surprise winner like we had at the start of the season with Michael McDowell. So, I mean, honestly, who knows what's going to happen? That one's going to be a great one. And then two weeks' time, we got a race in Kansas. But then, yeah, IndyCar is also going to be in action this week, next weekend or this upcoming weekend uh, over at St. Petersburg, Florida for the Grand Prix there. So, uh, that one's a bit of a interesting track. I believe that one's kind of a built on kind of a airspace, like an airspace, airport. airfield, airfield airport. Yeah. Thank you. Whatever you call it. <laughs> um, and that one's got some interesting passing points. So we'll kind of see how that all plays out. But uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're now officially kind of in that kind of in the meat of the racing season. And I love it. Lots of things to talk about. Lots of things to watch. And of course, Absolutely. you'll have us too. Yes. Supplementing well, the entire thing. All year long. Crazy. I think we're definitely going to have to talk about uh, in the future. Um, They also announced on Friday the details of the new F1 racing game, F1 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, They've kind of leaked some details into that, but I think we'll uh, we'll have to kind of dive into that in the future as well as they kind of release more information as an avid racer in that. (laughs) Because I can't drive a car and uh, I can't drive a race car. I can drive it virtually. (laughs) And as mentioned earlier in this podcast two-player career mode watch out for us we'll post it on twitter our results from races we have to decide what we're doing first so so the question is now do we do same team or do we do different teams yeah that is weird i was thinking about that i was like i mean i'm always like the same team type of guy but i don't know time, though i i is it i, I want fun? some storylines would it be fun if like adam brills and lewis hamilton against max verstappen and mitchell rishko i can already <laughs> see it like Second last race of the season, Adam dives into the corner and takes out Mitch, and the next podcast is just 30 minutes of silence <laughs> and awkward stares. Ooh, boy. Yeah, well, we'll get That's to the that quality when the we're game bring comes you. out in July. You got time for that, folks. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, I did want to mention one thing. Uh, we did actually get a, a couple, uh, another email to our, uh, our account, uh, the A Racing Podcast. That is the EH Racing Podcast at gmail.com. Said, hey guys, haven't been this excited about racing for this uh, for years. NASCAR is great, F1's better, and IndyCar is back in its glory years. Uh, minus 200 horsepower, 2021 is shaping up pretty good. And I, I, I agree with all that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And please, by all means, join the club with that person who sent us the email. And if you are that person who sent us the email, we only have a, a number for you, so if you could yeah. include your name next time so we can send appreciation and say, hey, thanks, Tom, Bill, Mike, Jeanette, wh- whoever you are. Send us something yeah, whoever at you are. the A Racing Podcast at gmail.com. That is the E-H Racing Podcast at gmail.com. And then we're also on Twitter and Facebook as well. Yeah, and uh, our Twitter handle is at the A Racing Pod. So that's where you can find us there. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for this week. Talk soon. Yeah, I guess we'll chat soon after what's been a pretty wild weekend in racing. Goodbye.